Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. gods came out of the Odin sleep that had engulfed them for ever so long, lulling them into their beds, and they rose and once again looked out upon the world and said, I, it is time to podcast once again. I'm Alex. You can't blame a god for just taking a little nap here and there. Gods are busy thinking of stuff. Like a commentary on a podcast about a show about other gods. I'm Justin. And you are listening to American Godcast, a podcast about American gods on stars, which, depending on when you've listened to this, this may not bother you too much. Uh, but we're a couple of weeks late on this one. Just just a yeah. scotch. Just a tiny little Just bit. Just a tad. Yeah. You know, you get caught up. Spring is here. Everyone's out <laughs> there in their finery. Mm-hmm. What can you do? Uh, absolutely nothing. I mean, nobody can blame us. But we are going to be talking about the fifth episode of season two, Way of the Dead. I'm very excited to chat about this. I vaguely remember what happened in this show because it has been so long. Uh, but let's do the recap. Let's get yes. into it. Uh, so Shadow Moon is a dude. I remember that part so far. Right? Yep. Checks out. Nailed it. Uh, He was an ex-con. He has hooked up with a guy named Mr. Wednesday, who turns out to be Odin, the god Odin. Uh, Mr. Wednesday is building a war between the new gods and the old gods for some unknown purpose, some end. We're not 100% sure still exactly what's going on there. But Mr. Wednesday has slowly been building up allies, grabbing weapons in order to make some sort of assault, it seems, on the new gods. Now, uh, they have taken a little bit of a stop in a place named Cairo. It's Cairo, right? Yeah, it looks like Cairo, but it's Cairo. Cairo. Uh, And they've stopped at a mortuary that we visited now and again. Uh, Shadow Moon is staying there. Mr. Wednesday has been kind of going off and doing missions while Shadow Moon has been stuck in this place with a bunch of other gods, including Mr. Nancy, who's a Nazi, the story god from Africa. And I keep getting this wrong. I thought it was Mr. Shaquel, but it's not Mr. Shaquel, right? Who is... Mr. Ibis. Mr. Ibis. Yes, it's Mr. Ibis in the mortuary. Uh, We should also mention that uh, briefly, I believe, in the last episode, Shadow Moon fucked a cat. Very important to remember. Um, Never forget. Never forget. Um, Meanwhile, the other person that he kind of likes to fuck sometimes, Laura Moon, uh, has been (laughs) searching for a new life since she died sucking a dude's dick back in season one, specifically Dane Cook's dick. Uh, And she swallowed a coin, came back to life. It was a leprechaun's coin coin of a dude named Mad Sweeney, and Mad Sweeney has been helping her very begrudgingly 
trying to help her get her life back. Uh, one of the most recent things that they've done is they're heading to New Orleans to meet a dude that Mad Sweeney knows that he says can help her bring her back to life. Um, what else? And she she just got juiced up um, with oh, right. sort of un undecomposed, so she's feeling a little bit more fresh. She likes the feel of being alive and wants more. Yes, uh, but she realizes Wednesday will never. Um, help her because um, he's a liar and uh, so she goes with the Mad Sweeney option, begrudgingly. Exactly. Now, the other thing that seems pretty clear as of this episode, but we've certainly speculated a lot about on the podcast, is there seems to be a little something-something going on between Laura and Mad Sweeney. Laura doesn't mm. necessarily seem to recognize it, but Mad Sweeney certainly is helping her, even though he is a jerk leprechaun. Uh, and particularly because he could just get his coin back. Without his coin, he has horrible, horrible bad luck. He's gotten the shit kicked out of him multiple times. Um, So you would think he wants the coin back, but clearly he has some feelings for Laura that he hasn't quite realized as to this point. Uh, Yeah. um, He says in this episode that the further away from the coin he gets, the worse his luck gets. So that's why he ostensibly has to stay so close to uh, Laura. But I think we know it's a little bit of a case of the like-likes. He's going to write her a note. He's going to say, check yes for I'm a leprechaun. Check no for I'm going to punch you. You're not wearing green. That's uh, 100% uh, accurate. I mean, we've all used the line, uh, you actually swallowed a lucky coin, so I have to uh, be near (laughs) Yeah. You know what? Uh, I love doing that at a bar, but I'm like, hey, have you swallowed a lucky coin? Because I'm going to reach my head down your throat. And girls are like, you're married. Yeah, that's weird that that's their first reaction. <laughs> well, I'm wearing the wedding ring, so it's all good. That's true. That's yes, true. it's a dead giveaway. Speaking of dead giveaways, let's get in talking about all the dead giveaways of this show, specifically the lynching that it starts with. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. Uh, go ahead. Well, all I was going to say about we were talking about this a little bit before the podcast came out. It's interesting doing this one late because... People were extremely upset about this episode, extremely upset about the lynching imagery that happens throughout it. And not just on the level of, of course, lynching is upsetting, uh, but the fact that they've repeatedly done that in relationship to Shadow Moon without really dealing with it. In the season one, we saw him get lynched, uh, and it was incredibly harrowing when it happened. But to keep bringing that up, The reaction from a lot of people and from a lot of black critics in particular was that it was very tone deaf. They were missing the point. They weren't delving into it too much. And it felt like white writers dealing with African-American issues Uh, to, you know, full disclosure, we're two white dudes talking about this. But watching this episode, what was your impression of it? Did you get any sense of that? Yes, 100 percent. It's it's uncomfortable. It is gratuitous. And it it keeps coming back throughout the episode. The imagery is repeated. So it, it, it's sort of like it refuses to let you move past, like experience the horror of it and then move past it because it then does it again without ever sort of uh, putting it in a new context or saying, here's why we're showing you this. It's just keeps haunting this episode of, of television. So yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a little much, I mean, as a book reader of American Gods, I know why they're doing it, but just in this episode alone, it is uh, not 
uh, super well executed. Yeah, I, I think one of the bigger problems, and this is jumping to the end of the episode, but they don't resolve it well. This is a show that has dealt with race head on. There's the Mr. Nancy monologue that happens, I believe it was the second episode ever, maybe the third episode, I might be getting it wrong, where he talks about slave ships and yeah. him being brought over to America that is phenomenal. Like That's incredible. Yeah. And there was even a conversation an episode or two back where, again, it was Mr. Nancy, uh, Mr. Ibis, and Shadow Moon all standing around talking together. No, I'm sorry. It was not Shadow Moon. It was Bilquis, who is another god, who we deal with a little bit in this episode, but she's very tangential. But sitting around and talking about race, where, again, it was a very good conversation. So That was great. That that whole conversation and sort of the way it meant something in the episode was great. And I think this is a – this parts of this episode are meant to be an extension of that, but it just – you. It just doesn't – it's hard to move past uh, all of this violence. And to, to get back to it, it's – they're showing you the violence, but whatever point they were trying to make, I don't even think it was too subtle. You know, it's just they're – they kind of skip po- past the point part. It's just sort of there. It's just sort of happening. It doesn't really seem to have any repercussions right now for any of the characters yeah. in the episode, and it's, it's unfortunate. It's um, – I was, again, as a white critic, as a white man watching this, it didn't necessarily put me off in the same way. But having read a bunch of those pieces, I could certainly understand why it would be infuriating, in particular for African-American critics. Yeah. And it's just it's just too much, Uh, even if you're trying to make a point, which which, as you're saying, they don't make in this episode. This is meant to be something that. Uh, that sets up something later, I believe, um, it still is too much, even if you're doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's too much any which way you look at it. Uh, so <laughs> I I don't think, you know, I, I'm sure they regret that it caused that pain in, amongst the audience, and they were just probably treating it like, this is a story point. But yeah. I think they just missed the point. Yeah, I think so. It's also unfortunate because something we've been talking about, or at least I know I've been talking about with the season, is I miss – the thing in the first season where we'd flashback and see the stories of these gods and how they developed in America. We got that this episode, but it was the wrong thing, which was yeah. a bit of a bummer. But uh, let's get into it. Let's talk about what it actually is. Uh, so we open up on a dead girl. Uh, two dogs are sniffing around her. There's a lynching. A man gets shot. He's dragged from a cart and then Shadow wakes up from a dream. And we go back to this throughout the episode and the way that I interpreted it is essentially it was I don't know, the god of slavery death or something like that. I mean, what what exactly was going on there with these visions? Uh, it feels like yeah, it's meant to be because I don't think the name of the character is Will James, I believe. I don't think he's technically had a god. He seems more like a reminder yeah. or something like uh, something that almost uh, scarred the, this town or the nation in general. And he's left behind to uh, continue to be a reminder of what what happened here and what it represents for that time in America and just race in America. Um and so that to me is an interesting concept, but they don't really quite land it. It feels yeah. like he feels like a ghost. Then you're all like, then you're like, is it shadow? Is he trying to, he, and he sort of over the course of the episode, or we realize later on, he's sort of 
gets inside Shadow's head or infects him with this rage. Uh, and again, we don't really quite know why. It's interesting that she said memory. That didn't really occur to me when I was watching the episode. But on the show, the gods essentially are memories. They're stories. They're things that they brought over with them. We've even seen multiple Jesuses on the show. So we know that these stories can be brought over and changed in different ways. So, you know, the the gods that we're seeing on the show aren't the only versions of those gods. Uh, so in essence, they are memories themselves. They're just fully fleshed out, fully developed. Um, but at the same time, what we've also established in terms of the rules of the show is that these gods get prayed to that people worship them and that's how they get their power. And we do see a little bit of worship kind of for this guy, this Will James. But again, to your point, the rules of how it works and how it works in this world don't quite seem to gel with everything else that's going on. If I had to guess, and I think this is an interesting concept, I think unlike uh, the other gods like live off of prayer, and it feels like Will James, the reason he is still around is because violence against black men keeps occurring. Yeah. So that feeds into his uh, ability and he becomes he's becoming more present as a reminder as things keep getting worse. And that is a really interesting concept um, that it's in that way. It's a it's a form of the repeated action is sort of a prayer it's like a prayer in that way. That's really cool um, as a concept for the story, but they don't make it that. They make it a mystery, so we don't really know exactly why. Yeah. Uh, now, this uh, cuts to Shadow keeps having a vision. Uh, then he comes on Wednesday, who is pissing on a plant. We had speculated that it was the Spear of Destiny, this plant that they got in the previous episode. But it turns out it's actually Yggdrasil, the world tree, that he's pissing yeah. on in order to make it grow. I know you and I have both read the book, so we have a fair idea of where this is going. Uh, yeah. But do you have any speculation in terms of the show, how this is going to play out? I think um, he has uh, uh, Wednesday, one of his powers, and this is all in uh, Norse mythology. Odin has very um, fertile piss. He yep. has like mm-hmm. a really great, like almost a miracle grow. Yeah, the Odin uh, piss. He calls it the Odin exactly. piss. Uh, exactly. That's why I go to Home Depot and I'm like, uh, quarter Odin piss. And um, that's all I, I need again today. Cool. And sure, I'll take a <laughs> sip. I'll take a little sip. Yeah. Hey, if you had a chance to sip a god's piss, you sip that piss. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's. There's two very separate storylines in this episode. I think we can keep following the Shadow Moon storyline the way that it goes. Yeah. Uh, we see Mr. Nancy. He bumps into a young drug dealer in Cairo uh, who's chased by the cops. That young drug dealer sees the burning head of the man who was hung again. Uh, Shadow also. Uh, sees the boy who has been shot in the same way. So we're dealing not just with hanging and slaves hanging, but also police shootings. And it all seems to be uh, not to keep digging the same hole, but it's all like, oh, this is teaching Shadow an interesting lesson about racism in America. So it's very blunt there. The other thing that we touch on is uh, Bilquis coaching this woman to leave her priest which I also can't really hook into that storyline that Bilquis seems to be getting one follower and that's it right now. And that seems to be her only goal. Yeah. Well, and she likes this woman, Ruby Goodchild. And I think, uh, I think the, the 
kid that's killed is also is her son, I believe, right, or uh, a, a member yeah, of her right. family. Yeah. So, so Cairo took everything from her, and and so Bilkus is leaning into that and saying, "You need to get out of here. Worship me. I will take you. Uh, nothing, nothing here is helping you. So why don't you move on?" And it does. Yeah, you don't quite know why this is happening here. Um, and again, it just feels a little gratuitous with another <laughs> person being shot, shot a bunch of times. Um, and then we get the flashback again. I mean, we get this concept of memento mori, uh, which is very like heady. Uh, the idea that like reminders of death or being reminded of your own death. And may- I think that's why they feel like, oh, we need to keep repeating this. It's a memento mori. Uh, but it's like, we get it. We, we remembered it. That's the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Wednesday is heading off, uh, to find the King of the Dwarves. We didn't mention them earlier, but there's two other characters. Uh, there's Salim and the Jinn. Salim is a regular cab driver who had sex with a genie and decided to follow him across the country. Their relationship is very weird to me right now in this episode. Like, I love that first Salim and the Jinn episode when they got together. But now that the Jinn is essentially just running errands for Mr. Wednesday, it always seems to break down to the Jinn saying, I've got to go do this thing. And Salim being like, just kind of pouty and looking at him. And that's all that's going on in the relationship. Yeah. Well, they're having a sort of a, a fight about religion. Um, so like, it's like they're dating, but he, one of them's a God and, uh, it's sort of like the the jinn is like, are you cheating on me by stilling, still worshiping your religion? Right. When I'm sort of cool and I don't – I was cursed by by your religion, uh, by Islam to be this, to be, to be a jinn. So it's a complicated relationship. It's like uh, if you get a nice uh, spicy pizza and you eat some tacos in front of it. Like what are you doing? Yeah, it's that's an, right. It's a insult, spicy pizza. A nice a spicy – Meatball the pizza. You're thinking about a spicy meatball. I am. I mixed up meatballs and pizza. Wow, that's a real tragic, especially because of your Italian ancestry. <laughs> oh, too spicy. Yeah. Sorry. I, I, had a, I had a big bite of my uh, spicy meatball the pizza, and that's what's going on. Uh, so they go find uh, the king of the dwarves who repairs the spear of destiny. For them, uh, Mr. Wednesday pulls out his classic Mr. Wednesday con job to get him to do it. Uh, and that's pretty much it, I think, for that storyline. Uh, yeah, sort of. I mean, one thing there, there's a lot of talk about the motorcycle. Yes. And the motorcycle, it's very cool. And the motorcycle shows up. This show really leans into, like, aren't these vehicles interesting? Yes. Which, it's too bad our other co-host Pete isn't here because he would say... Yes, but I would say no. Yeah, there's a big split there between you two. Yes. That's why you can never date like Jin and Celine. Oh, man. Um, one other thing I want to point out, the great Somewhere in America sign um, on painted on the building, which I mm-hmm. love that they keep finding new ways to hide that in this show. Yeah, uh, despite everything that we said about the episode, visually, it was still very, very good. Like, this was... One of, I think, the more visually realized episodes this season so far, which I did like. Uh, Certainly, we've talked a lot about what happened behind the scenes in this season because there was a lot of turmoil. There was a lot of shakeup. This is the one where it feels like they're getting their footing, even if they lost the story footing a little bit. Yeah. And this episode also, like everyone's a little bit in conflict. There's like a lot of 
smaller conflicts playing out. Like later on, we have Mr. Nancy confronting Mr. Ibis about the death of the um, the kid in in, in Cairo, um, accusing him of over the years uh, taking his worship, uh, Mr. Nancy's worshippers, and they're dying, which is how Mr. Ibis is worshipped. So they're in direct conflict, um, being a god of death and a god of not being dead. Yeah. Um, and this all wraps up at the funeral, uh, where the priest rejects his religion, shadow approaches, the fire disappears from his eyes and Wednesday, Nancy and Ibis are drinking and shadow is annoyed. And that's pretty much it for that storyline. I will say it's crazy to me that they're still doing this as characters, but they're still putting the, like, I don't know, maybe we're not God's shadow moon. Yeah, is a little ridiculous at this point. Like, it's fine. It's a funny bit, but uh, it's kind of crazy just in the world of the show that they're like, I I don't get the point of playing with him at this point, what they're going for. Well, and I think the part of the point of this episode is he's starting to realize it when he breathes in those embers. uh, At one point, Will James says he he releases people who have no hope for a life of peace. And Shadow's like, ah, cool. That's your thing. And Shadow doesn't understand that he's trying to help him who he has no hope because he's trapped. He's agreed to be part of all these God stuff. And it doesn't look good for his uh, ability to get out of this alive. Yeah. Uh, Let's turn to the new Orleans uh, based part of the storyline. Now we do a couple of other podcasts. We do a cloak and dagger podcast and we do a preacher podcast. Uh, It's crazy to me that every show almost that we recap goes to New Orleans and meets the exact same characters. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of uh, similar Googling going around in these writers. Rooms. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, Baron Samdi, you said. All he right. seems cool. Yes. Uh, that said, this part of the episode I actually thought was great, and I really enjoy this yeah. part a lot. Uh, so yeah. Laura and Because you like sex. Yeah, I, li- I like uh, to like watch. Watching sex, a light, light pornography. What can I say? I'm a fan of watching people fuck. Yeah, that's great. That's yeah. true, especially in real uh, what life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like it's a classy thing. Like you go out, you take the wife out, you watch some people fuck. Oh, yeah, you're not gonna, you're no, just that's, gonna let that sit. You're gonna... I thought you were gonna really land it with the classy part. I thought you were gonna be like, then we go out for a four course tasting menu. Yeah. <laughs> no, you get like a no. nice uh, glass of champagne. What? Yeah, a lot of live sex clubs offer a top-end champagne. Uh, no, I, I can't afford a top-end champagne. Uh, so oh, you're talking about a talk about, <laughs> Let's talk about what happens in this storyline. Uh, Mad Sweetie is totally wasted, wandering around Nola. Uh, Laura finds him, uh, and then they meet two characters. They meet Baron Samdi, and they meet his lady, Brigitte. Brigitte, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I thought all these relationships were great. Like, even with knowing the character of Baron Sabdi, it being overdone, he looks, I know it's traditional dress, but particularly this one. Have you seen The Princess and the Frog, the Disney movie? No. Oh, okay. No, the, no the, Alex. No, no. <laughs> really going back and forth to me and saying, like, I like watching people fuck. And then you're like, have you seen a, a sort of middle tier Disney movie from a couple years ago? Hey, it restarted their princess franchise. All right, buddy. What a claim to fame. And what a thing for you. I don't want to say a young man to say to be like, hey, 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 listen to me, you punk. 
they restarted their princess franchise with that film. Well, it's a storied franchise. I don't want to get into that too much. Uh, but he did look like Monsieur Facilier, which is the villain in Princess right. of the Frog. And I'm beginning to suspect in retrospect that maybe they couldn't use Baron Sabdi for a Disney movie because it was like, we can't do real voodoo, guys. We're Disney. Right. Yes. Interesting. So once again, another uh, piece of our culture brought in Baron Sabdi. Hmm. Mm. Uh, so they go there, they meet him, uh, they get totally wasted. Uh, Laura is pretty pissed off about it at first because she's kind of just sitting around a bar and waiting. And she's like, she's right. She's like, she can taste food again. She's barfing up mag- maggots. She's like, I really want to be alive uh, for the first time. And Baron Somni's like, I'll do it. Uh, you can sit at the chef's table, but I need, I only trade in truth. Yes. Uh, so he gives her a formula. The only thing that's missing is blood infused with love, Ooh. which is uh, an ingredient I keep laying around the house because a lot of recipes call for it. Yes. I made a cake with it, actually, the other day. Do you know what? Tasted gross. Yeah. <laughs> Just blood cake. Big old blood cake. Rich in iron, though. Very good. Yes. Very good for you. Tastes terrible and, you know, uh, feels a little bronzy on your teeth. So yeah. uh, they, uh, uh, while Mad Sweeney goes off with Brigitte, Laura is hanging out with Baron Samdi. We find out that they have an open relationship. They're good with whatever. And I, in all honesty, I know we were joking about it earlier, but I love the sequence. Like, I thought the way that it yeah. played out was so good, particularly because you see Laura. I don't even think that she necessarily wants to have sex with Baron Samdi, but she's like, at this point, she will do whatever. She doesn't care. She, You can see a brief glimmer of the thought of, I am betraying Shadow Moon once again in order to be with Shadow Moon again, but she goes for it anyway. Oh, I don't think that's what happened. Oh, really? You I, didn't take that yeah, at all? I think, I think uh, Baron Samdi is like, you need blood infused with love. Got any of that available, like maybe one room away? And she refuses to uh, to come to the realization that she actually does love Matt Sweeney, too. He know- She knows that he loves her, and she loves him in return. So instead, she pushes that away and kisses Baron Samdi instead. That, you are probably correct about that. I think your reading is way more correct than mine. But I also think that comes with it another betrayal of Shadow Moon. I just think she's so far removed. She's... That's what's pushing. She doesn't think she's deserving of love because she already betrayed him so long ago. Yeah. Uh, So Sweeney, meanwhile, uh, and I love this move, too, pushes away Brigitte. He can't get it up for her, at least at first, because he's thinking about Laura. Like, he does not love anybody else. And then they have this montage where Mad Sweeney is with Brigitte. Laura is with uh, Baron Samti, and it slowly melds until it even though they're in different rooms, it's Mad Sweetie with Laura. Uh, and she gets the formula. They wake up the next morning and she doesn't use it. Yeah. Which was weird to me. Again, I don't think she can accept. I mean, they have a great, a classic meet in the middle foursome situation where. Classic. Um, 
Yeah, like uh, it works like if you're in the same building with another couple and everyone's having sex at the same time. Oh, you're going to meet in the middle. Yeah. Uh, that. Uh, do you ever get any of those drills at your office? Like the dude comes out, he's like, hey, everybody, I just want to give you a couple of things. First of all, here's what happens with fire. Uh, here's what happens if there's an active shooter situation. And here's what happens if four people are fucking in the building at the same time. It's a great service that they provide here in New York City. Yeah. Best city on earth. <laughs> Come on down. Try our tacos or our spicy meatball of pizza. Spicy pizza. Not at the same time, though. Don't want to make them a jealous. <laughs> um, yeah, she doesn't take the, the thing, the formula, and she doesn't get the blood from him either, so... It's just an outright refusal. Really? I I don't know. I thought the formula was done. Like, I thought that was the implication of what happened is that she did this deed with Baron Samdi slash Mad Sweeney, and then she finds the bottle at the end. And to me, that was the formula is finished. She, She could just take the formula. She could come back to life permanently. But I read it as almost a writerly move to drag it out for the rest of the season, or at least for next episode or two, with her not having that formula, without her actually taking the potion. The fucked up thing is the recipe for this uh, formula was right in the the uh, name of the Red Hot Chili Peppers 1994 album, Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Oh, man. It was in front of us the entire time. Uh, that's what I call a clue. Uh, Anthony Kiedis, he knew. What did he know? He, and when did he know it? Yeah, exactly. He found it out under the bridge. Mm. I should do some more research on this. <laughs> yeah. Guys, we will definitely Google more Red Hot Chili Pepper songs at some point. Uh, can I tell you my favorite story about Anthony Kiedis, actually? Yes, please. Okay. We end every podcast this way. At least we do now. <laughs> after, our, after our break, we become uh, real chili heads. This is, this is definitely selling somebody down the river, uh, but I once knew somebody who used to be Anthony Kiedis's manager, and the story that she told me was there was a point when he was kind of at the height of his fame, and he got super sick, and he thought he was going to die, and his quote unquote like last thought, like the last thing that he would wanted to pass along when he, he called her over to his bed and he's like, I just can't relate to non-famous people. Mm. And that was That's his cool. that was his dying thought when he thought he was gonna die for being sick. Go out on top. Yeah. Go out really I guess putting I'll be someone honest, else down. You know? Yeah. Yeah, no. But once you've attained that kind of fame. You can't ever be around a single other human. Yeah, a rego, so to speak. Disgusting. Anything else you want to say about the episode before we wrap this one up? Uh, the last image is um, they part Matt Sweeney and Laura part ways, and then his luck immediately goes to shit. Yeah. Uh, that was fun. Um, despite the uh, the stuff in the episode that I thought what that was so gratuitous with all of the um, uh, the lynching stuff and the the so many murdering murder images um i did like a lot of the character things in this episode especially mm-hmm. the mad sweeney laura stuff uh, i'm glad they leaned in and said sort of committed to the idea that they do love each other uh and i hope that pays off uh down the road yeah uh, that's also very different from the book uh, we never yeah. get any of that stuff with laura and I think that is one of the advantages of doing the tv show and taking more time with the story I'm very weirded out that they're actually going so long with 
the relatively small story of the book, but if they are going to flesh it out and follow the chemistry of the actors in this way, I'm all for that. Yeah, I mean, we didn't even hear about the new gods at all in this episode. Yeah, that's great. They got to figure their shit out. There's a lot of stuff going on with them. Yeah, they're so young. They got homework to do. This episode only, which god is deserving of your worship, Justin? Uh, That's what we do on this podcast. Yes, we just choose which god to worship. Yes. Um, I'm going to give it up for Matt Sweeney. I know I was just big upping uh, him, but like he he's fallen in love without uh, he didn't see it coming. And here he is trying to deal with it. He gets close to being a more mature god about it. But then he just blows it for a little blood sugar sex magic. Uh, I got to agree, too. He was so good this episode. I love seeing him be in love with Laura. I don't. I don't think just knowing where the plot probably is going, there's really any future for them necessarily, but I like it. And if they can push it and they can follow it and see where it goes, I think that's a good direction for the character and it's a good direction for Laura and it lets them explore both of them in a really interesting way. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys. Thank you for your patience on this podcast. We are going to try to get you a regular relatively regular schedule for this one uh, going forward. Um, but if you'd like to support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by. We'll finally chat with you about episode five of American Gods. What else yeah, do you want to plug, Justin? Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live. Check us out at comicbookclublive.com for this podcast. More, you can subscribe on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, Radio Public, or the app of your choice. And remember to worship your gods. Even if they take a short break to do god stuff, like other godcasts, like, be cool. (laughs) 